0: Hi everybody, this is Aaron for Sola Network, and today I'm here with Professor Matthew Kim and Professor Daniel Wong, and we're going to talk about this new book that they wrote together. It's called Finding Our Voice, A Vision for Asian North American Preaching, published by Lexham Press this year in 2020, and I just want to read a little bit from the back. It says, uh, no one preaches in a cultural vacuum, the message of what God has done in Christ is good news to all, but to have the greatest impact on its hearers or even to be understood at all, it must be culturally contextualized. Finding our voice speaks clearly to an issue that has largely been ignored, preaching in Asian North American contexts. In addition to applying hermeneutics, theology, and homiletics to these overlooked contexts, Kim and Wong include examples of culturally specific sermons and instructive questions for contextualizing Christian preaching. Finding Our Voice is essential reading for all who preach and teach in Asian North American contexts or who seek a model for contextualizing the gospel message for listeners in any cultural setting. And uh, I, I, I think this is a fantastic book. I'm going to write a review for Sola, and uh, I think this is a landmark work honestly of what you guys have done. And so thank you for writing it and thank you for Mm -hmm. sharing it with the world. Um, Matthew and Daniel, would you mind introducing yourselves uh, and maybe detailing some of your own ANA Asian North American experience? Mm
1: -hmm.
2: Go ahead, Daniel. Why don't you start?
1: Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) A little bit more history here, I guess. (laughs) Good. Uh, I'm, uh, and, uh, third-generation American-born Chinese, uh, born in San Francisco. And the earliest ANA experiences was going to uh, San Francisco uh, Chinese Presbyterian Church there. And I guess my earliest experiences is just hearing bilingual sermons that I couldn't understand either one, and uh, Chinatown and different things. But uh, after some early experiences, we actually were living in Oakland across from San Francisco. Uh, I went to a, a you know, a general American church. And later, when my brother came back uh, in high school, he went to an American-born Chinese uh, church, essentially. And uh, it was all English, except for a minority that spoke Cantonese. So I became a Christian there around age 16. I followed my youth pastor to, uh, to go into Moody Bible Institute to Dallas Theological Seminary and uh, eventually found my way to Toronto for full-time ministry. So uh, for 18 years, serving as a full-time English ministry pastor until I uh, became full-time professor at uh, Tyndale University. So, um, I mean, I I don't think my experiences, I, I don't think they're very extreme in terms of, you know, a few racial epitaphs, a few assumptions, Uh, But I I think, you know, my experience uh, in U.S. as growing up and then in Canada, and I, 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 again, comparing what's going on in U.S. and Canada, not seeing as much uh, seemingly, you know, obvious systemic racism here than in Canada. But it's interesting to have both of those experiences. And, and of course, you know, everyone has their own uh, experiences and spectrum. So I'll just start off with that thank you Matthew
2: yeah thanks Aaron for having us on uh, the broadcast Uh, I was born and raised in Chicago Um, grew up in the Korean immigrant church context and became a Christian around 13 years old uh, at my first youth retreat and I know that that's a a common setting for uh, (laughs) young people to become Christians Um, grew up in the Korean immigrant church and uh, eventually found myself called to ministry Uh, Came to Gordon-Conwell to study for my MDiv, uh, decided to go on for some further training uh, in the UK, and then came back to the States and pastored an Asian-American, primarily Korean-American church in Denver, Colorado, uh, for several years before joining the faculty uh, in 2012 to teach preaching at Gordon-Conwell. What really drew me to writing the book was about thinking uh, through my experiences, Listening to Korean immigrant sermons and it's probably very similar in the Chinese or mm-hmm. a Japanese immigrant context where I felt like uh, the preachers were often talking about um, the the common hermeneutics and homiletics of euro- American professors uh, that they had studied under but not really contextualizing for bicultural or multicultural people um, so that that was really the genesis of the book and mm-hmm. uh, you know, growing up in Chicago in the '70s, '80s, uh, I was uh, picked on all the time. Uh, it was it was a common experience that we all share, uh, I'm sure, as immigrant um, you know parents who who are uh, immigrants. Um, and and for me, it was um, eye-opening coming back here to the Boston area about eight years ago, and still going through the same thing, even in my 40s now, getting racist comments and looks, and um, even from my neighbors down the street. And so this experience of being um, marginalized or alienated, uh, feeling, um, you know, hatred or, or being feared uh, by members of other cultures, uh, I don't think it escapes us. And I think Daniel can speak to that later on, you know, mm-hmm. and Daniel's, uh, I believe his mother's side is fifth generation American. So um, this perpetual foreigner idea, and we'll probably get into that later on, but that, that really led me to the idea of writing this book. And, uh, thankfully, Daniel agreed to write it with me.
0: <laughs> and I'm I'm so glad that you guys did. I, you know, I resonated with a lot of what you wrote in the book. I mean, obviously, some things are different um, for me and and for you, mm-hmm. but there's a lot that's just mm-hmm. the same experience that we all go through. And I think what I appreciate is that you guys really did put a lot of your personal history and um, you know, just just your upbringing into the book, even things like your childhood you put in the book. And that's really like what what makes our experiences unique is that they are very uh, different, but also similar. And I I can relate to it. Um, I kind of want to just ask some questions that pertain to the book. And I think uh, our audience, um, obviously, they probably didn't read the book yet. But I, I do want them to check it out. And I think this conversation can hopefully uh give them a taste of what to expect when reading it. But also if they do read it, they can come back to this and it will, you know, mm-hmm. maybe even expand on some of the things that that you hinted in the book. Um, mm-hmm. Before you you actually talked about preaching, you know, the act of preaching itself though, Matthew, you, you talked about the importance of recognizing ANA hermeneutics and theologies. And I was wondering if you could just kind of introduce that that concept right now to everybody.
2: Sure. I mean, growing up, um, as, we, as we go through the uh, North American seminary experience, uh, it's common that we're taught continental European theology, um, which I, f- I fully agree with uh, in many ways. Um, what, I, what I think was missing in thinking through how do we preach to bicultural people was thinking through hermeneutics in terms of not so much disagreeing with white people and how they read the Bible, but more having a consideration of what does it mean for us as preachers to raise the questions that Asian American uh, or Asian North Americans are raising uh, as they interpret the text um, thinking through some of the questions that they might have or considering their experiences uh, thinking through some of their concerns or questions as they interpret a passage. And, And so that's really what I'm getting at in terms of ANA hermeneutics so that we don't just read it as an American. We're bicultural people or a Canadian or bicultural, whatever uh, Asian background we come with. Uh, so uh, thinking th- through some of those issues and then a- ANA theologies um, really having us consider what does it mean for us to incorporate some of the things that we grew up with in terms of some of us had parents who came from Buddhist cultures or Confucian cultures uh, or some other religion. And that doesn't really escape um, the the interactions that we have with our immigrant parents. They, they still retain some of that. And so what can we learn from those uh, theologies? Um, Obviously there are marked differences between some of those theologies and Christianity, and and we firmly um, agree that uh, these religions are not the same. Uh, We believe in Christianity, that Christ is the only way. However, what are some of the considerations in terms of Asian Asian theologies that we need to think about that some of our listeners are steeped in or come from those kinds of backgrounds? And so we wanna consider some of those aspects
0: yeah and you know our audience for for sola you know uh, we do have uh preachers or pastors um Mm. and i think that this this is a really important point that uh even though we might have been trained a certain way uh maybe that wasn't uh speaking to our own culture or ethnicity and so when we when we interpret the text we're looking at it through a lens that is Mm -hmm. not our own and when we therefore deliver a sermon we missed that part as well, but we can talk, talk a little bit more mm-hmm. to that. Um, you also speak about identity, marginalization, and incarnational duality. Now, mm-hmm. those are topics that your book does go into, uh, but how do you see these being important in this particular moment in history?
2: Yeah, I think one of the things that it raises is the fact that the gospel message never changes. Uh, the gospel is, is true and is trustworthy and that Christ has accomplished everything for us on our behalf. Um, At the same time, I think that one of the things I think has been common practice in North American culture is that we gloss over identities or ethnic identities too quickly, uh, and perhaps we go straight to our Christian identity and not really taking into consideration what does it mean to be an embodied person who happens to be Korean American or Chinese American, Japanese American um, or Filipino American, whatever it is our background is. Uh, and, and when we jump into the Christian identity too quickly, we are in many ways uh, separating who we are, and, and we can't do that. And, and I think that uh, too quickly, in especially evangelical uh, contexts, we, we go straight to the gospel and we uh, minimize our ethnic differences. And, and that, I think, has caused some of the rift um, uh, among the different cultures uh, as you think about um, Black Christians or Hispanic Christians or even Asian Christians in America right now. Part of the reason why I think we're struggling so much with race and fear uh, of the other is that we haven't talked about race. We haven't really engaged as Christians with ethnic identity. Uh, And so um, to get to the next level, I think we need to acknowledge that these differences are significant and we can't minimize or gloss over them simply because we carry a Christian identity, which is true. But at the same time, I think we need to get into the deeper issues of race and ethnicity. Um, incarnational duality, I think, is really uh, a concept that, you know, obviously comes from uh, Christian theology in terms of Jesus having two natures. that He was fully God and fully human. Uh, and in many ways, I try to make a comparable analogy saying that as Asian Americans or Canadian Americans or uh, whatever background we come with, um, we can't separate the two out. We are, we are fully both. Uh, we are, we, it's not like I can say one day, I'm really American, and the next day I say, oh, no, I'm really Korean. No, I'm both. Uh, and how do we separate those out? We can't. Uh, and so that's the, the concept behind incarnational duality, that we want to be fully embodied beings who happen to be multicultural for some of us.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I, okay, you, you spoke to a lot of things right there. And I think that you hit it right there where I, yeah, I feel that way, you know, where I I, I know I'm a Christian, and I feel like I'm a Christian, but mm-hmm. I, I feel that I'm Asian North American as well. And so, yeah, I do mm-hmm. feel that tension there. And I, I can personally relate to the fact that you said that, you know, our churches or, you know, certain churches uh, have not been talking about race, let alone our own ethnic identities, right? And so, yeah, I think, I think there's so much to learn there and so much that we need to work and improve on. Uh, Daniel, Daniel, yeah, I want like to ask uh, you.
1: Maybe just come back to that. I, I like to use the analogy of the body of Christ where, yes, we do see ourselves as part of the whole, so we could see our Christian identity, but we also see that there are uh, parts, uh, and we all have a particular role. So I think in that body of Christ analogy, I like that where we have each has an individual contribution, um, individual identity, <clears throat> but also we also see ourselves as part of the whole.
0: Yeah, it's mm-hmm. so good. Uh, Daniel, I wanted to ask you, you, you wrote uh, one of the chapters on mm-hmm. preaching today. And so I want to I know from you, how, how do you see preaching today?
1: Good. That's a great question. Uh, Well, basically, I see preaching as conveying the Word of God in the context of the people in the congregation. So, I you know, I have my pet peeve as we call generic sermons, you know, one sermon that applies to so many places without being specific to the congregation. And, of course, certain things can be general, but... um, you know, how do we speak to this people? And I think that also pertains to an aspect of this uh, worship context that uh, we'll talk about uh, in a bit as well. But I do see this, you know, preaching to this people and uh, preaching being an aspect of worship. And so it is a response to God, to the word, and, uh, you know, as being gospel-centered. So the preacher exposits the word to this particular audience, and of course, you know, brings uh, the preacher brings this this context uh, to it, and and of course, it, preaching. Even though you know Matt and I both teach in this area, and that's more of our expertise. You know, it's not the be all and end all. It is uh, an aspect of of ministry and of church life, but of course, a very important uh, part of that. So, you know, even though some people would you know, say that preaching is passé. It certainly still has an important role, and I think particularly in the immigrant and Asian church, where uh, the word is is still considered very important. The role of the preacher, and uh, you know, and the role of the congregation is is very important. So, uh, I'll just start off with that. Yeah, no, that's really good. How
0: would you explain uh, in your in your book? You, you talk mm-hmm. about exegeting um, the preacher. Uh, and then also uh, the congregation. Um, right. And then these will reveal certain uh, A characteristics, themes, and topics. Um, maybe you can talk about that idea, but then I also wanted to ask you, how does that change across the different generations? Because I know that if if you were to do that for an older generation, it will be different than for the younger right. generation. Am I correct in that?
1: Yes, I, I think you're, you're onto something there. Uh, very important. And... You know, as I keep on reflecting on on what uh, I wrote and and my experience, I I do come back to that point of this exegesis of the of the preacher or the self exegesis. I know Matt has also written uh, about this in his uh, you know cultural exegesis book, <clears throat> but um, really the um, I find that you know a lot of um, you know ourselves as as ANAs have a lot of well, I would say, uh, difficult experiences in the immigrant churches, which has colored a lot of the way that we view life and ministry and maybe even, you know, uh, the older generation. So, you know, we have to deal a lot with that before the Lord, a lot of the, you know, honor, shame, uh, aspects of life and expectations and all of these type of things. So that's where I know, again, finding our identity in Christ, uh, Accepting who we are, uh, and you know, I think that's really the starting point—a deep spirituality, uh, and and acceptance of who we are, and then we can move more toward an understanding of the congregation. I think more of us, as pastors, are very sensitive to the congregation, people's needs, situations, but I'm not sure if we do enough self-reflection to say, "Well, mm, you know, maybe." I might have some uh, underlying anger toward situations or people. So, um, you know, again, I've just looking in the mirror, you know, need to deal with ourselves before the Lord. And, and of course, see how that reflects on our uh, caring for the, and understanding of the congregation and their uh, particular needs. Um, I think as you were uh, pointing out, yeah, there is, generational differences and, um, you know, a a number of people, write, And I think there is overlap in terms of preaching to the generations. I know a number of churches, they're actually having like a junior high service and a, you know, a, a college service and a young adult service and a adult adult service. So, you know, we do understand there are needs. And I think that there is a place and time to speak to the specifics and the type of preacher that maybe can relate more directly to them. And of course, a time that uh, we can uh, speak to the whole family, you know, even the first generation or 1.5 generation. So, you know, I think that there is a place and time for all of this. And I know that especially our Asian churches are, are very family oriented. So we do need, you know, again, the time <laughs> specific and, and the time together for uh, ministry and, and context for preaching. Yeah. Uh, there's so much
0: more that we can talk about <laughs> with, with all of that. Uh, but, you know, I'll, I will refer people to the book sure. to elaborate more on these ideas. Um, both of you did mention uh, the, the connection between preaching and worship. And Daniel, I think you kind of alluded mm-hmm. to that earlier where, right. um, you know, when we gather as a church, it's not just the sermon and then that's it. You know, there, there's mm-hmm. a lot of things that, that make up a, a worship service.
2: And right.
0: I, I think uh, you both touch upon, um, you know, preaching and worship together in these mm-hmm. A contexts. Um, I want to ask you, uh, I myself am a worship leader. Yeah. How can worship leaders and preaching pastors work together in this effort to, to have, you know, uh, a voice and a, and a vision for mm-hmm. A worship and preaching? Matthew or Daniel?
2: You want to start, Matt? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can start. Um, I, I worked very closely with my worship leader uh, at my church when I was a pastor. And one of the things I think that I could have done a better job with was thinking through uh, how do we make the, the holistic uh, worship service integrated? And one of my colleagues at Gordon Conwell, Dave Curry, has written a great book on the big idea of biblical worship. Uh, and what he gets at is the fact that every part of the worship service should tie together. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering if even in our own uh, ANA's uh, cultural context, church context, we can do a better job of integrating, you know, the worship songs, the the offering, the the prayer, um, the sermon, the, the songs, the, the benediction, where everything can come together. But even beyond that, I think that there needs to be some space for us to think through how do we teach lifestyle worship, mm-hmm. meaning not just it's not just the one hour at, at, the, at the Sunday service, but teaching our our uh, congregants, what does it mean for us to be ANA Christians and, and Christians who are worshipers mm-hmm. throughout the week? Uh, these are some of the areas I think we need some more mm-hmm. room uh, to grow uh, and to think uh, about in the future. Um, I don't have all the answers, but I think uh, we can do a better job of thinking through um, integrating the worship service, as well as integrating the worship service into our daily life and practice. Mm
1: -hmm. And the reason why I I raised this issue, you know, for the book particularly was, you know, being at Urbana and um, they were, I think it was in 2006, they were highlighting, okay, here's, you know, like African-American worship. This is Asian-American worship. And the big discussion was, well, that, you know, Asian American worship looked no different than so-called the, and I'm sure that, you know, Aaron feels that as well. Right. But I, I, maybe I'm just raising this issue because I just like we're thinking through Asian North American preaching, we're kind of thinking like what is distinctive about Asian North American worship or worship leaders? Like, is it just the Asian face or uh, the experience that we bring to it? So uh, you know, I referred to um, one of the uh, people who, Russell Yi, who wrote Worship on the Way. And uh, some of the things that he's written about talking, potentially like spoken word, maybe testimonies. I've seen, you know, different instruments, which are not unusual, but maybe just thinking through, you know, this incarnational, like how are we, you know, living <laughs> living out this worship life as an A.N.A. Christian, and I think some of the things like testimony or, or what we say, you know, with the songs and our choice or, how we um, speak, uh, you know, tie tie those songs together, might bring out a bit more of this, and uh, as Matthew was saying, yes, definitely like. the the personal life of worship and worshiper and the overall context and themes of worship, which Asian churches are really often good at and making themes of the year or focus and so forth. So, you know, those might be helpful to think through it, but collaborative for sure, you know, working together, praying together uh, and how we can uh, see and seek what the Lord wants for us through worship.
0: That's so good, and I appreciate the fact that I think you both would say that there's there's so much room to grow in mm-hmm. in not only music and and worship but but in preaching as well, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, and i I appreciate that 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 was kind of one of the takeaways from the book is that hey, like this is not the end all, and we haven't necessarily arrived yet. Mm-hmm. I think much like sanctification, this is a work in progress and, yeah. and we have so much room to grow together. Um, I was wondering if uh, you can both talk about regards to the future um, and we, we can just get really practical here. What has personally helped you develop your A preaching voice? Maybe what were some failures, but also some successes? And uh, how would you encourage others to do the same in this? Maybe Matthew, you wanna go first?
2: Yeah, there's, there are all kinds of failures I could document. <laughs> uh, I, I think one of the things that I think uh, you nailed in terms of uh, we're, we're a work in progress. And I, I think that this is really the beginning point of the conversation where Daniel and I are trying to get us to think intentionally about these issues. And one of the things I think we've um, perhaps overlooked or assumed is that just because I have an Asian face I preach in an Asian way or an Asian North American way mm-hmm. uh, and we assume that if we just preach a, a biblical faithful biblical sermon that it's going to really reach everybody or especially our a- ANA listeners and we can't really make that assumption I, I think that uh, too often we're we're quick to assume things but um, my my real encouragement would be for us to really be intentional pray uh, think through what does it mean to be bicultural take some time to think through the, the uh, American or Canadian part of us Uh, Mm -hmm. take some time to think through the uh, Asian side of us and, and really dealing with the cultures uh, that are there. So um, yeah, we are, we are by no means saying here is our voice. That's why it's called finding our voice. We're all finding our voice together Mm -hmm. and we want you to join in the conversation. We would love to interact with you, whoever um, our readers are. Uh, the pastors who are faithfully preaching, um, if you want to send us an email or contact, contact us some way through Sola or whatever you want to do, but we're just beginning the conversation and we invite you to join us in this journey as we uh, hopefully for the next generation or two continue to grapple with these is- issues. And um, just to summarize, I think one of the issues that I would I think uh, ANA preachers do need to focus more on is um, race and ethnicity and and racism and joining with our black and brown brothers and sisters. I, I think that it's a sorely lacking aspect of our preaching that we need to develop.
1: Thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I refer to in my last, um, in, in the sermon that I offer about the clay pots. And as I was thinking through that, what was the cultural context for that? So that's why I, I came up with this, you know, the idea of having like the, the, the rice bowl. Rice bowl. <laughs> yeah, this is the real <laughs> Plastic rice bowl, but for the Korean church that I spoke at, you know, I use this one, right? <laughs> nice. That has to, that connects more with a Korean than the general rice bowl So, you know, I think that those type of, you know, cultural cues connect, you know, you saying 1.5 uh, For a Korean context will definitely resonate with with some so uh, you know intentionally connecting With uh, different groupings, but I, you know, I would say that a couple of things that I might have challenges with is, um, you know, maybe I'm trying too hard, you know, to connect with people, Uh, you know, and sometimes there are people who feel like, and they go to certain churches because, you know, maybe non-Asian churches because they want to blend in. They don't want to identify themselves, even though they are, you know, that visible minority. So, you know, sometimes. They uh, it might be hurtful for them to uh, to hear certain cultural illustrations, even though that's not bad in itself. But you know I, I need to have continue to have the pastoral sensitivity to know how and which way to connect. But I also want to point out that, you know, I have to be careful about being overly sensitive in a sense where, you know, we are very pastoral, we care for the sheep, we don't want to hurt the sheep. But you know, there's, there's time when we need to say a hard word as well, a a countercultural word. And I I think that there may need, you know, I think I'll be shy to raise that because, you know, you want to be accepted by people, you want to be liked by people. Uh, But I think that pastoral care also means confrontation at times as well. So just a couple of things that I would, uh, just reflect on in terms of preaching and so-called, you know, successes or failures.
0: Yeah. Uh, Matt and Daniel, thank you so much for, for even challenging us here at the end. I think uh, we're running out of time. Um, is the world ready for more <laughs> A <A&A> preachers, Matt <laughs> and then Daniel, and then we can,
2: we can <laughs> close out with this. Yeah, go ahead, Daniel. I'll just start. Okay.
1: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I I would say that um it's it's really needful. I think we that that teach in seminaries uh, or Bible colleges and and so forth. You know, we're we used to see more going into ministry uh, of that second third generation. We're not quite seeing so many. You know, and part of that, of course, is is the materialism of the world. It's the expectation of the parents. But I think it also could be the experiences of 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 us who. Uh, have gone through tough times and haven't aspired to be pastors or preachers and, and maybe even hesitant for the calling. So, you know, I would just, just say that, you know, let's, let's just reflect on that and encourage, you know, the right people for the right reasons to consider ministry and preaching and, uh, you know, as well as sharpening our own, uh, Preaching, as we get closer to the Lord, it's an overflow of life, and uh you know again, not aiming to be the the superstar or the you know the, that type of preacher, but you know humbly to be the person that God wants us to be
2: mm. yeah I would say that my my prayer for all of us i I share this with my preaching class all the time. I tell my preaching students. Um, I really pray every single day that you don't have the ambition of being famous. Mm. Um, Satan has already put a, an X on your back, and you don't need a, additional um, ways for him to attack you. Um, we, we just want to be faithful. We want to be faithful to the congregation uh, that we have been called to love and serve. Uh, would it be great to have more uh, Asian faces on the platform at, at preaching conferences and and pastor conferences, sure that'd be great. Um, but that's not our that's not our reason for for being. That's not the reason we've been called. Uh, we've been called to be faithful to our local church, to love them, to shepherd them, and preaching is just one aspect of that. And so, um, is, is the world ready? Um, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hope that I hope that Asian Americans and A- Asian Canadians are ready uh, to to really delve into the issues that we've been called to address. And and if if the wider world is listening and watching, praise God. Uh, and I think we can all learn from each other. So that, that's my hope and goal is that we learn from each other and grow. In. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Wow. Well, thank you so much. And um, I appreciate the call to faithfulness. Thank you for being faithful to your callings and uh, serving the church um, in this way. Uh, I'm going to encourage everybody to get the book, of course. Mm-hmm. And, um, and thank you for making yourself available, too, for, for any questions and to continue the conversation mm-hmm. as we uh, continue to find our, our voice together. Thank you for, for this. Thank you, Matthew. Thank
2: you, Daniel. Thank you. Thank you, Aaron.